In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Hello, everyone, and welcome to See You Next Week in Space. I am Sarah Walsh, and I am here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. And I am now realizing I prepared nothing for this opening bit. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for what that was going to be. I was like, is she going to sing the theme song? Is what's going to happen. Um, and I think it's fair not to have anything for this because I'm not sure besides singing the theme song what there is to say. Um, well, like truthfully, I think in part I'm just like a little bit discombobulated because we're recording on a different day at a slightly different time and I just am that committed to routine <laughs> that I like can't roll with the change as well as Sorry I about that. like. That's my fault. Um, no, it's totally fine. Uh, it's This is like a low stakes change and I'm like, the <laughs> fault is my own, not yours. Uh, for not being able to roll with it. Um, but let me just like think about it. I mean, because we've talked about like, would we like to time travel before? I yeah. feel like th- we've generally come down on the side of, no, we wouldn't. Um, no, and I'll tell you specifically <laughs> about this. I'll tell you, just in case anyone was not sure, my specific thoughts. I would specifically not like to have this, what this dude in this show deals with what he has to do. Yeah. I would specifically not like to have that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, I guess how I feel is like, I'm open to traveling to the future. I am not particularly interested in going to the past. Which, you know, which I think is fair because that's how life goes. You shouldn't want to move to the past. You should, I mean, <laughs> like, I think there's something inherently, um, I get why we're so obsessed with time travel, but I think there's something inherently unnatural about it. You know, it's not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to see stuff that we're not supposed to see that happened in the past and we're not supposed to see the stuff that's going to happen once we're gone. Like, I just feel like, I feel like it's too much meddling with things that we shouldn't meddle with. Yeah. But I understand the allure. Yeah. I mean, also like, and this is something that is regularly discussed in time travel movies, um, like specifically human beings and even like, you know, not just in sci-fi things. This is like a longstanding kind of scientific 
uh, particularly in the realm of physics kind of discussion as well, uh, which is that time exists in a lot of different ways, but human beings perceive it as like a straight line from the past to the present to the future. Um, right. But that isn't necessarily how time actually works, right? Um, right. And so because of our limited perception of time, uh, I don't know that human beings make for great time travelers. Uh, that's true too. Because <laughs> we can Maybe all- that's what it is. Maybe that's the more accurate way to say it. <clears throat> uh, but like, and as well, in the case of this show... Um, and we maybe can talk a little bit more about it. The main character in this show can only travel to days in his past. So he can only go backward. He can't go forward. Oh, yeah. I guess I sort of knew that, but I didn't 100% know that. That's, yeah, and that's not fun. That like you said, like that's just not fun because it doesn't especially <laughs> especially like that's such a specifically unfun thing because if you're talking about you only moved you're you're only able to go to the past in your specific past, like even if I was like, eh, I'm not really down with going to the past, but I wanted to go to like the French Revolution <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. Um that might at least be like interesting to me because hey, I've never experienced that. But if I'm just going to over and over to things I've experienced, that sucks. <laughs> like, well, he's that not going. Gets boring. He's not going to things he's experienced. He's living in other people's bodies, but right? He can, and that's the but other he's part. Limited by his own lifespan, to, right? Like that's in what terms I mean. of where he can go. Right. Okay. So that's what I mean. Like, yeah, right. Like, so, okay, fine. He didn't experience the particular situations before, but he's been in that time period. Because that's the whole point of the funness of time travel, right? Is that you're going to this like time where you're like, ooh, look at the hair. Ooh, look at the, right? Like, (laughs) ooh, look at. To things that you haven't already seen in your life. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe that's my shallow version of what's interesting about time travel. (laughs) But, um, that's, you know, if you, if I just, like, went back only to, like, 1985 and up to 2021, no thanks. Like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> I don't, I've, you know, I've seen those years. I mean, it would be sort of cool to go to 1985 from the perspective of, of an adult. But right. still, besides that, like, I'm good. I get it. I get it. So why don't you explain? Some people may have already figured out what show we're talking about today, but why don't you say what show? Then they're really, really smart (laughs) because if I hadn't watched this, I'd be like, what the F? Um, So we're talking about Quantum Leap and I'm just going to tell you straight off the, my initial reaction to, I've known about this show before and I've maybe seen like little bits and snippets of an episode. And I remember thinking, I hate whatever that show is. Like (laughs) I like, and then when someone told me it's quantum leap, I'm like, Oh, that sounds like something I would hate. And I had no like further questions. Sure. Um, so I will say in watching this episode, I didn't hate it as much as I had previously thought that I did. That's Um, good. That's something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, so we watched the episode called Future Boy, which was in season three, episode 13 from 1991. Yes. And, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't get it per se, but I didn't hate it. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. And so just to round this out, the episode is not only, I realized I forgot to put this into the outline. So the episode is called Future Boy, but all episodes of Quantum Leap also include the date that they're happening. So oh. this is a, a travel back to October 6th, 1957. Uh, that's when this is supposedly taking place. Um, let's talk a little bit about like this whole, like what is a quantum leap and what is happening and what's this whole time travel thing. So yeah. Cause here's the deal. He explains his entire like whole deal in the opening sort of. Yes. Um, and I still was like, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, cool. Um, (laughs) so Quantum Leap is set, uh, and this is according to like IMDb and Wikipedia, set kind of vaguely in the near future. Um, the show itself runs from 1989 to 1993, so maybe it's supposed to be the early 2000s, I guess. Um, okay. And Dr. Sam Beckett, who is the main character, uh, has at some point determined that time travel is possible. And I know I watched at least a handful of these episodes like when this show was on NBC. Um, Mm. But I would have been very little. So what I don't remember is like, is what he discovers that time travel for everyone is limited just to like days that you were already alive or if it's like that's the first step and then maybe once we figured that out, there might be other ways. I'm not totally sure on that. Um, uh-huh. But basically, uh, he develops this project called Quantum Leap. And the point is to test whether or not this theory about, like, can you circle back on different days of your life? Uh, that's the point of it. And I there's, like, a vague, like, I think, I presume he's, like, proposed this quantum leap thing to the government, right? Um, okay. And then and what in, does quantum leap mean? <laughs> uh, probably if we watched the pilot episodes, we oh. would know. Um, okay, so you don't know that? No, I and I specifically okay. don't know why the word quantum is involved. Like, yeah, the, I mean, I understand the leaping part. Yeah, um, like that part, I that part I gathered. Yeah, but I was wondering if quantum meant something. Specific. It maybe does, but here's my guess: even if quantum means something in the context of this show, I'm pretty positive it doesn't mean anything in the realm of actual physics or science. Okay. <laughs> That's my okay, take enough. on it. Um, Got it. So we did not watch any of the pilot, and I, unlike sometimes where I go back and watch things on my own, I didn't do that this time. But basically what I was able to infer is that uh, the reason why Sam has gotten into this whole leaping situation is because, like, the, he was running this project. Things were going 
as they go with science, which is it takes a while. And basically (laughs) the people in charge were like, we're going to cut off your funding because this doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. And Mm -hmm. so then that kind of forces Sam's hand and he decides to test the quantum leap like machine on himself Big mistake. Yeah, as always, never do this. There's a reason. I mean, like, it's actually a very... Guys, don't do this. (laughs) It's actually, like, a cardinal point of ethics in science that you do not test your own theories on yourself. Like, that's a major... And also... Right, and I don't know if they show this in the show, but also, shouldn't there be a thing in science, maybe there is, where you don't test something like this alone also? Like... Especially if you're talking about, like, jumping into another time. Yeah. Well, he's not technically alone um, because, as we'll talk about when we get into talking Uh about the episode, he has a friend named Al who is able to appear to him through, like, the time he's able... So he's appearing... Like, he's... Al is still in whatever year the quantum leap began. Yeah. Um, And he can appear to Sam in a holographic form that no one else can see. Right. And Love that. Yeah. And so Al is important <laughs> because Al also has access to all of the knowledge of the kind of like Why future he's time. In a certain place. Yeah. Yeah. And so base but I realized I didn't say. So Sam tests this quantum leap machine on himself and that sets him into this whole, the whole purpose of the show, the whole kind of premise is that he starts leaping back in time with the caveat being he can only go back to days that he was alive. I'm mm-hmm. not entirely sure about the how that's reasoned out, but that's the rules of this show. But mm-hmm. he's not going back as himself he jumps into the bodies of other people. And yeah, I've got a lot of questions about that. You're lucky that I didn't choose any of the episodes where he jumps into the bodies I of know. sexy I ladies know. or I black know. people. I know. Because I saw that in the um uh the opening, they like show some of that. And I felt like that was a clear choice on your part. Because <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, no, this feels like this could get problematic quick. <laughs> like, yes, absolutely. Because quite a lot, because when I was, as I always do, when I pick a TV show, I like look at the short descriptions of the episodes to settle on one. And there were quite a lot where Sam jumps into the bodies of women and people of color and like, quote unquote, solves sexism and racism in episodes and I was like we can't be doing that I just I'm not gonna participate in that element but also yeah like beyond the like craziness of it on a like reality level what do these people my question is also like do these people so the guy I forget the name of the guy whose body he jumps jumps into in this episode but that guy one when uh When Sam Beckett leaves his body, will this guy have a memory of any of that, what happened? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Mm. I I want to say that my, my impulse is that the person, the people that he goes into do Mm. retain memories 
of like, cause that's the other thing. So he basically is in someone's body, I think for like 24 hours or something. Yeah. Like, not yeah. very long. And especially, I mean, this is less the case in this particular story, but I think in others, like, um, it would be really important for the person participating in the narrative to have memories to of what happened. Yes, of um, course. <laughs> So I think because then the people around them are going to start being like, remember when you said that to me the other day, right. that really important thing that you said to me and <laughs> that changed like, no my bitch, whole life. Don't remember. <laughs> yeah. No, bitch, um, no idea what you're talking about. So I let's, I think that, yes, I think that we'll basically yes. what you would feel like if Sam Beckett were in your body is like, you would know something weird was happening. You'd be like sharing a consciousness for a while and then that would go away and you'd be like, what a weird day that was. Like, I wonder what was going on there. Um, So like, I had a really bad fever yesterday. I felt like I dreamed (laughs) some weird shit. That Uh, is, that's creepy to think about. It is a very, it's a very weird premise, admittedly. Um, And even weirder, so like, that opening voiceover basically also tells us that um, Sam cavalierly jumped into this quantum leap thing, and so now he doesn't know. So he did it before he knew how to get back. Um, mm-hmm. So what he's hoping, so he just keeps jumping into these different timelines and different bodies and different stories, and what he's hoping is that by being dropped into these different stories, he's often given like a task, like something to fix, something to help with. Mm -hmm. And that like eventually he'll have done that enough. And also I guess like just by random chance, he'll like find his way back to his own body and timeline. That's the goal. Yeah, because he's not been in his body this whole... Right. Man, that's so weird. Right. And what I don't understand is like it's so that means like his consciousness is traveling in time. But so then his body is his body in that weird bodysuit from the opening bit. Like, is that just sitting in a lab like as if he's in a coma somewhere? Like, because it's not his body going back. It's his consciousness because they specifically this episode didn't have it as much. But like. They specifically do shots to show us that when he looks in the mirror, he sees a different person. Yes. And I did like those shots. I thought that was cute and pretty actually well done. I mean, I know it's not like it's so hard, but like... um, So it's just his consciousness that's going back. So I guess his body must still be sitting in like... The year 2000 or something. That is weird. And then everyone's just like, uh. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Um, The other thing I wanted to say uh, about this show is that um, the original kind of purpose of it or the reason that um, it got made is the kind of showrunner is Don Belisario of NCIS fame. Um. And this was one of his oh, early. Oh, wait, who, wait, say again what you just said. Sorry. So <laughs> I heard NCIS, the guy who was like the director guy. The, like the show runner 
guy, like the big executive producer guy, is Don Belisario. And oh. um, this is one of his earlier shows. Oh, and gotcha. The kind of like what I, at least what Wikipedia made me seem to think was that basically what Don Belisario wanted to do was an anthology show, but in the 19, late 1980s, those were not particularly popular. Um, mm. and, in, and in particular, networks didn't want to do an anthology show. So for those of you who are like, what's an anthology show? That's like where each episode is just its own story, like separate from anything mm-hmm. else. Um, and, I, and I, you know what, as a person with a short attention span, I appreciate that type of show. <laughs> um, and especially for a podcast such as this, it is helpful. Indeed. Um, Indeed. So basically, Belisario was like, how can I do this anthology show? Maybe he even was like an anthology show about like different important moments in time or American history or whatever. Like, how could I do that? But then how can mm-hmm. I trick the network and like the viewing public into thinking that it's a serial you know, like a show yeah. where we learn about the same people and blah, blah, blah. We have character development, yeah. that sort of thing. And so yeah. I hadn't realized that, but I was like, well, that is kind of, I mean, like, I'm not sure I would have come up with this idea to do that, but this is. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it does do that. And I'm like, oh, that's a yeah. kind of clever workaround to kind of trick people into watching just these different random stories every week. Um, yeah. So that was the plan there. And um, that is a good segue into talking about the cast because um, Mr. Belisario worked with Scott Bakula, who is the person <laughs> is the actor who does Sam Beckett. Um, and now uh, Scott Bakula is on NCIS New Orleans working with Don Belisario again. Uh, oh, really? So clearly this was like a good working relationship for the two of That's them. That's funny. Um, so as I said, Scott Bakula is the main character. This, um, from what I was able to surmise was his big breakout role. And he was 37 when this particular episode came out, which was in 1991. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and so then the following year, um, he gets the golden globe for best actor in a drama, uh, for, for this, this show. show. Yes. For this show. Interesting. Um, and specifically for the season that we watched, because that's how the Golden Globes really? works, right? Like you get yeah, it yeah, for yeah. the following year, the year or whatever. Before. Yeah. Um, well, that is interesting. <laughs> indeed. Uh, I think it says a lot about like where things were in the late 80s and early 90s. I was about to say, <laughs> I was about to say, it says a lot about what else was possibly nominated that year. Right, right. Um, uh, not that he's Not that he's not good. That's not what I'm saying. But like, Hmm. It is just curious compared comparatively to what types of things I feel like win Golden Globes now. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Um, so basically between 85 and 89, Scott Bakula is kind of growing it particularly like growing in the ranks of like TV actors. Um, and he mm-hmm. has like kind of increasingly more notable kind of character arcs or like appearing as a series regular between 85 and 89. And then he gets this show in 89. Um, Mm -hmm. Then 
he, and also I should say like Quantum Leap has developed a pretty dedicated cult following. um, Yeah. Particularly of the sci-fi variety. And that makes sense. (laughs) uh, Scott Bakula has actually been an actor or he's acted a different role that has gotten him a different cult following uh, because after he did this, uh, I forget exactly when Star Trek Enterprise came out, but I think it was like around the year 2000. Um, And that also ran for five or six seasons. And he is the captain of the very first original Enterprise. Um, And so he... I, when I was looking uh, about him, he's repeatedly mentioned as like he is in these two really major beloved science fiction shows and plays these beloved characters. Um, he must get absolutely um, bombarded at like cons. Um, yes, I was going to say like a <laughs> Comic Con or something like that. Presumably. And I get the, I don't know, may, this is probably not real but like I just imagine that he seems like he would be nice yeah he seems like uh yeah I get that I get that vibe from him too don't know why and I also funny enough like I neither of these shows were particularly on my radar except for the fact that Quantum Leap was on my radar or something as I hated and the name (laughs) Scott Bakula seems like I know that or like I'm supposed to know him from something else yeah. Um, so I don't know. He's very much in the like uh, lexicon of Hollywood. Yeah, he's like a known entity. Um, yeah. And he kind of is similar to me. Like when we were talking about Nick Cage um, a couple weeks ago, like when I see Scott Bakula and things, I'm like, I think he just does himself. Like. Yeah, the character Sam Beckett is not super different from the character Jonathan Archer on Enterprise, and I've not seen him in whatever role he is in NCIS New Orleans. But, but I, I bet think, it's the same. Yeah, he's just got like you know, uh, like yeah. I'm a nice guy. I'm kind of like a cool dad. Like you know, like he's yeah, got he's that like the energy. cool dad who like yes, absolutely, and he like, can, but he can like fix a problem. <laughs> Yeah, he, he can seems be like, like a detect. He's smart. He can like be a detective, and yeah. he could maybe be a captain of a ship. Yeah, he's and like the cool dad who like restores an old car, but also like plays in a band with other old dads. <laughs> I know, that's how I picture him. Yeah. Well, it's really funny. And if this is his breakout role, like he was thirty seven in it, so like he's always been dad age. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm. I mean, not always in his life, obviously, but like in the public eye, he's always been dad right. age. Right. So good for you, Scotty Bakula. I think you're probably also that's a great name. I don't know yeah. if that's like his. That name is just like very strong. Like yeah, because it sounds I think like. It's, uh, I feel like I saw it. It's something Eastern European, like Dracula. Uh, yeah, that's what it sounds like. It's a, it's a great name. Um, so the next character is Admiral Al Calavici. So that's the guy who shows up as a hologram in uh-huh. these different scenarios. And that's mm-hmm. played by an actor named Dean Stockwell, who was 49 when this episode aired. Um, and this was another one that, like, I sometimes really get fun, like 
stories from these things. So Dean Stockwell started out, he's born in North Hollywood. And so he's a child actor, kind of straight out the gate. Uh, Mm -hmm. His first role was in 1945. He was only nine years old. Um, A few years later, he plays Colin in the 1949 version of The Secret Garden. Um, Love that. Yeah, he's, he, like, he's, in a sense, he's very similar to um, the guy we talked about from Rocky Jones, Space Ranger. Uh, They're, they're kind of like coming up around the same time, Mm. uh, the 30s and 40s. And maybe he's probably like a scotch younger, actually, than that Mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, he kind of jumps out of the gate, does this child acting. And it's wild when you look at his credits because unlike a lot of child actors, there is no break for him. He go, he transitions really smoothly from being hmm. a kid actor to being like a teen to being a young adult to being an adult. Like just boom, boom, That's boom. That's very rare. Yeah, it's wild. <clears throat> um, Good for and, him, wow. Yeah, and as... Well adjusted. Uh, well, and that's what also what it's going to say... I didn't do a lot of digging, but I didn't see, you know, like, and then he lost like a million dollars. And then, yeah. you know, like, it wasn't this like sob story. It was like, no, he was quite good. And then he just kept moving up. Being into, good. And he yeah, continued and to be doing, a little bit better. And then he got yeah. older and was still good. <laughs> and he still wanted to keep acting. So then he just kept doing that and he kept getting roles and it wasn't sad at all, which is like, woo, that great. Is- that's a new story. <laughs> uh, everyone who's like a child actor, look to Dean Stockwell as your model. Um, yeah. When he did become, when he moved into his, like being an adult actor, he was in a lot of things. Um, some of the kind of more notable in the context of this podcast, he appeared in the 1984 version of Dune. Um, he voiced the character Duke Nukem and Captain Planet. Uh, hmm. he's a pretty central character in the newer iteration of Battlestar Galactica. Oh. And then... We didn't watch the new version of Battlestar. No, we, we watched, watched the original. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the newer version, I think, is more like early 2000s. Okay, okay. Yeah. So he's in that. Um, and then his last credit it was in 2015, which means he was acting for 70 years. That's wild. I mean, it's wild to be alive for 70 years, but to be like doing one career, doing a career. Yeah. 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 And particularly a career like acting, which is so like, you know, like incidental and like sometimes you're working and sometimes you're not. But in his case, yeah, he was working from the time he was nine years old. I mean, it's also a little sad, like maybe not to like turn something not sad into sad, but like it that's from nine that means he like never really got to be a kid and he just like kept working i mean hope i'm I gonna guess. just cross my know. fingers and hope that he loved it maybe he didn't see it as a job like that but yeah um, i don't know i mean he's still alive but i think like some we'll of call these him. we'll ask him um i think some of like as we've seen sometimes when we get into the actors who really have quite a nice good career they when they do get a certain amount of old they're like I'm cool with it. I'm done. Yeah, I'm just done. No biggie. Um, And that is the thing I get from him. Um, Yeah. The next character is called 
Mo Stein, and that's played by an actor named Richard Hurd, who was 53 when this aired. Um, Mm -hmm. And this was a guy, I recognized him immediately as soon as he took off his weird mask. 100%. I was like, oh, Oh, I recognized him before he had the, with the mask on, I recognized him. Whoa, good job. Um, And that checks out because, like, the very first words that describe him on his IMDb bio are utilitarian character actor. So he's in everything. Yeah. He's in, like, a bunch of stuff. Um, I thought it was interesting. I didn't know this. He was born in Boston, so he's another mass homo hmm. like us. Um, and his first credit is uh, the film Hercules in New York from 1970. Uh, oh, which that's funny. is Arnold Schwarzenegger's first movie. That's very funny. I've heard a podcast <laughs> talking about that movie. That's quite funny. So that's interesting. Uh, he's also been in quite a lot of the things. This is like the stuff we would recognize him from he was in private benjamin he was in planes trains and automobiles he was the admiral in sequest which as soon as Mm. i saw that i was like oh i remember seeing his face on a screen and he was telling them what to do yeah Um, that's right he also played a few different characters in different star trek uh series so like he's Mm. been all over the place um and he's another one too that like he, I, I don't know for sure, but it seemed like he started being kind of around when he was already a bit older. So like, yeah, he's always looked he always the same had white to hair. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always looked the same to me. Um, I feel like he must have been. I feel like he must have been on Seinfeld at one point too. He was. I feel like he was. Oh, was he? I know for a fact. I didn't put it in the outline, but I remember seeing it. And he played. I think he was in like a little bit of a character arc on Seinfeld, like where he yeah, appeared a few what, different times. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Then there's a character named Irene Kiner, played by an actor named Deborah Strickland. Um, This is one of her last things she does. Uh, Mm. She appears on a... She does a couple of, like, one-off appearances on TV shows in the 70s and 80s, and then kind of just drops from the scene. Um, (laughs) Next, we have... A character called Ben Harris, uh, who's played by another character actor that I recognized immediately, uh, George Weiner, who was 46 when this aired. He's also born in Boston. Weird. Wait, which character is this, Ben Harris? This is the director of the The TV show. Yeah, who gets really pissed when they change the lines, that guy. Yeah, Yeah, I recognize him too. Yeah, and I specifically got this information for you. He went to Syracuse. Woo-woo. That's so funny. Did he go to the drama department? <laughs> uh, I guess. I have to assu- I assume <laughs> so if he's an actor. Um, I suppose. Uh, are they the Orange Men? Is that what you guys are called? Previously the Orange Men, now just the Orange for inclusivity purposes. Got it. Um, so he's born in Boston, went to Syracuse, very similar to you, Masshole to Syracuse. <laughs> um, and then he's, again, just someone who's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, his first credit was in 1971. Um, I recognized him when I saw that he was in the Bad News Bears. He was one of the assistant coaches. Um, uh. one of his more recognizable roles that would that like an audience person of the early '90s would remember him from uh, is he played ADA Erwin Bernstein on Hill Street Blues in the early '80s. 
Um, he mm. also was one of the various like generals in Spaceballs. Um, oh, he was Did in. You watch that? I have, and it's oh no, not I don't think good. I have. Okay, it's I don't think good. I have. Um, I remember I watched. I actually tried to watch it in the past six months because I had like good memories of it from younger days, and mm-hmm. I was like. I can't. I couldn't even get through it. I was like, "This is okay. just." We didn't watch it for this show, though. No, I we did was, not. Okay, we okay. did not. Okay, you would know. You would remember. Um, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a ringing endorsement. Um, <laughs> he was also in not another teen movie. I didn't really remember what he did in that. Um, but yeah. he's just someone who, again, much like these other men we've talked about. Super constant, regular, steady stream of work from when he started working in 1971 to the present. He's still working. Um, So let's now charge into this show, which I'm now looking at the outline. This is another one of our world's most simplest storylines show. Yeah, good. I love that. (laughs) Love that. Um, Like, I guess... Part of it is, is like this, I'm now realizing this episode and probably all the other episodes, they don't have a B story. They're just one story. It's all, yeah. And just again, full transparency, because I'm not trying to pretend to be smart on this show. I did watch this once earlier in the week. And then when I was thinking about recording today, I was like, do I know what happened in that show? Surely don't. (laughs) So I watched it. So I watched it again this morning and like actually watched it. And I was like, I'm glad I did that because I truly was not paying attention the first time. Um, well, so then it doesn't sound like it's a smart or stupid issue so much as a, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't issue. paying attention. I mean, I was distracted. I was like trying to like do it. I was trying to, sometimes I try to like get stuff done during the work day. So I, you know, anyway, I was like trying to do it at and also work at the sure. same time and it didn't yeah. work so well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we begin with something that, again, we've talked about in the context of shows from the 70s and 80s, where it's kind of like, this isn't quite as bad as some of the ones where it's like, tonight on whatever the hell. It isn't like that. But it's this <laughs> yeah. like intro sequence that is not the credits. It is an yep. intro sequence that explains... Tells this, you the show. Yeah, this whole thing of, like, he's figured out time travel, and now he's going back to different days, and he's, like, in these different bodies. And, I mean, I don't know why this needs to be here, but it's there. I kind of needed it, though. But, like, <laughs> it... <laughs> I kind of... Like, the thing about it is, it's tough because... As I said before, I like the idea of a show where new storyline every week you get dropped and you don't need to know all the backstory, right? Right. The only problem with that is if you've got sort of a convoluted story to begin with, a.k.a. this show, um, you do sort of need an intro piece like this full of exposition. But then is it really a good show if you need that much exposition? That's like, well, it's kind of a conundrum. Yeah, and especially because, like, if you're a regular watcher of this show, then oh, you already annoying. know that this is the case. And, like, yeah. I don't know. I guess it's probably... I feel like it was specifically for me. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm not judging it. I was also grateful that it was there, but I was also, yeah. like, 
I need this because I've not watched this show since the early 90s. And right. back then I was a child and I probably only watched four episodes. Like, So I definitely do need some of this like kind of spoon fed to me so I can just like get the premise and I appreciate yeah. that. But like thinking about it in the context of like, this is deep into season three. So yeah. presumably the people who've stuck with this show know this already. So it's a bit of a strange setup in my opinion to start things out. And particularly yeah. like all like this opening few minutes was just a bit of a weird thing. So we have this intro. Then we yeah. have the cold open where Sam kind of like comes to and he's in a spaceship sitting next to some other guy and this other guy is like telling him to do all this stuff and Sam is like what do you mean like press the blah 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 button or like you know like so there's a lot of that happening and then we get into the credits and I was just like oh that thing at the beginning wasn't the credits that wasn't the credits like no and then the song oh my gosh the theme song was like I can't I can't remember what it was but it was like so elevator music-y. <laughs> yeah, I actually, in my handwritten notes, it must have made an impression on me as well because my notes are, um, well, it, it's it's a real uh, smorgasbord of notes. It says credits and then him as black and a lady. So there were those clips. <laughs> then uh, it says looking in mirrors, getting punched. He was punched yeah. quite a bit in these like clips from yeah. other things. And then finally, my last note is music is really of the time. Um, yes. And maybe here is a good spot where we should play some clip yes. of the music so that people can hear it. It's really, it is of the time, but it, and it's also like, it, it sounds like a, a video game, but it also sounds like, I don't know what's going on Isn't with that there, music, I'm like, I'm now getting confused if it was like, was it keyboard or was it guitar? Something was like the main sound, but it was like very much of the moment. Yeah, um, I can't really remember, but it was, yeah, it was very... I mean, I think it's part of the reason we did away with theme songs because they're <laughs> annoying. <laughs> like, well, in this one, I I thought the same. I was like, this is between the intro and the cold open and now the credits. This is like a lot of minutes that could be used for show that are I'm glad not they didn't use it show. for show, but still. <laughs> um, and especially the credits are a really weird thing in the context of this show because basically the only people in the credits they had are two people. two people, Sam and Al. Like, that's it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not kidding. We see Sam, like, because then it's showing clips of him being in, like, you know, all these outrageous scenarios because he gets sent to all these places. But, like, there were, like, three or four punches 
in the montage. And I was like, why does he, why are they showing this all the time that he's getting like punched and kicked and like beaten up and stuff? Well, they're probably just trying to show like the like exciting looking stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Action. But yeah, it, uh, there isn't hey guys just anybody who's out there making a tv show when you have only two main characters you don't need a whole credit sequence (laughs) i mean if you're gonna have a credit sequence it only needs to be 30 seconds long it does not need to be this was fully like probably a minute and a half at least um but it was that was like back then people just did it that way like i don't know i mean they needed they needed theme songs they wanted theme yeah that it was just what they did yeah and thankfully we've moved away from that because i like a little bit of a credits but like this was over the top for just two people in my opinion far too much yeah um so then we return we get the title card that says future boy we're back in this spaceship we have a slightly kind of wider shot so we can see that we're in a spaceship and we should have maybe surmised this because like do you want to try and describe the costumes that sam and the other guy are wearing oh yeah um well what is it because you (laughs) said you recognized that actor even though he had a mask on and in this he's got a mask on yeah i did because that's yeah, because let's be clear what the mask is. The mask is a little um, glasses, technically, <laughs> like, <laughs> but like puffy glasses. Um, they're both wearing your stereotypical kind of, well, I don't know if it's stereotypical, but they're both in like sparkly silver. Yeah. And hats like that look like the one that Scott Bakula is wearing is like a... Um, looks like a metal hat i suppose with like little antennas off coming off the top and yeah. the other dude is wearing a similar shaped hat but it's got like winged things on the sides yes um and and then like batman like, and robin masks across their correct eyes. right yeah. right um so to me they looked clearly like some type of weird like astronaut superheroes though in the show the one guy continues to call him a tv dinner which is also very funny <laughs> um so that's sort of that's what i took away yeah. from their outfits yeah lots of silver um scott bacula sam is he He's like with this other guy, this other guy keeps referring to him as future boy. So (laughs) Sam's costume has FB on the chest. Um, And like future boy and what we come to learn is Captain Galaxy are Mm -hmm. like about to crash with their spaceship. And then they do land and then Sam and Captain Galaxy get off the ship. Um, and then we see like a bigger, like the camera kind of pans out wider and we discover that this is a TV set, um, and they're doing a TV show. And even though we don't entirely know the year yet, it becomes like, uh, mm-hmm. it's immediately apparent that it is the era of Rocky Jones Space Ranger, that it's something in the fifties or sixties. Um, yeah. And then we see we see more and more, and the cue cards come out, and this is where we get the director, character actor who's like quite angry because Captain Galaxy is going off book 
quite a bit. And I have questions. I have questions about this because uh, what this what this is surmising is that all television is live, and like that is confusing to me because. <laughs> It is not. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe that was more of a thing back then. Yes, or maybe this was supposed was. to be like an after school. Sp- oh, okay, it was. All right. It that was. was confusing to yeah. me. Okay, yeah. fine. All right. Fair and enough. And they, like later, uh, when uh, Al shows up to say kind of like, you, this is where you are and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's revealed that they're in St. Louis. And oh, I forgot that. So... I don't know how to say this. Like the impression I got is that this show that they're in is like a locally produced uh, science It's on like show. the local. Yeah. yeah. It's like on the yeah. local channel. Okay. Yeah. And those and, would have probably been either live or unedited or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this one is def- definitely live because later Sam does a commercial. Right. And they got, I mean, they, and they have the little red light as if they're live and like, they're like, okay, we're clear now. Right. Yeah. That director is getting pissed. He's super pissed because Captain Galaxy is like super roguing on the lines (laughs) and like making up his own stuff. Um, and a lot of it is like, uh, cause the cue cards say like, oh, the future, it's this dangerous place and we've got to fight all these people from the future. Um, but in fact, like Captain Galaxy is like, the future is this excellent. So Captain Galaxy is like the Gene Roddenberry vision of the future, the Star Trek yeah. Next Generation vision of the future. And the director wants to be like the fire and brimstone dystopia of like all other types of science fiction yeah. is kind of the situation yeah. there. Um, what was weird about this is like... Um, Sam discovers, he says something about, oh, that's 30 years ago. And so for a second, I was like, wait, does Quantum Leap, is that supposed to happen? Is that supposed to be happening in 1987? That's Um, sort of what I thought. But then when you were saying at the beginning that it's 2000s, I was like, okay. Yeah, I don't know enough about the show as a whole to speak to this. But like at the time, I was like, oh, I I took away from that that like Sam has traveled from 1987. um, And... That's, but I don't, I don't think that's actually true. Um, so then they look at some space mail cause that's like the final moments of this show is they get space mail from kids cause this is a kids TV show. Mm. Um, and I particularly liked it because, uh, their sign off that Captain Galaxy does is I'll see you in the future. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like our podcast. <laughs> um, but then once they like they stole the, it yes they did or we stole it from them i guess technically. Oh, um but i didn't know that when i <laughs> came up with the name anyway uh once the taping is over the director is super super angry at what captain galaxy has done and so he turns to sam and is like you gotta get this guy under control Um, then we move into the dressing room and this is when we have kind of the obligatory shot in this show that always happens where Sam looks at himself in the mirror and sees the person into whose body he has jumped. Um, and in this case, and you're right, I did this on purpose. 
it is a white guy. So it's a white guy <laughs> and a white guy's body. Whew, I was, we don't have to go into any of the other. <laughs> although I do got to say there is a part of me like, because in the credits it showed him dressed up as a quote unquote sexy lady a couple times. And that I you might wanna watch. See it. You want to see I Scott Bakula wanna, as a lady. I, yeah, I do kind of want to see that for my own edification. Um, I'm sure it's a lot of, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's, I can tell you right now what the jokes are. The jokes are a lot of homophobia and a lot of misogyny. And it's, that's all it is. Like, but I'm sure there are things about it that are fun. Yeah. I would hope, like, because this show was about trying to show how, like, things had gotten better over time from in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, because Sam's character is all, like, this very compassionate man thing, I have to hope that, like, the homophobic, misogynist jokes would only be, like, 50% of the thing. And then, like, then there would be 50% they be on the same side. that would be... There would be 50%... That would actually be still humorous now. That's like yeah, what I would hope for. That's um, a good hope. Let me know how well, that pans out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it, then Sam starts to look around this dressing room and he stumbles across an old news clipping that praises Captain Galaxy, but Captain Galaxy is just his character name. His actual name is Mo Stein. And mm-hmm. this particular clipping is saying how well Mostein did in a, I guess, maybe he actually said he played Macbeth. I can't remember. Yeah. Or if he would just The Scottish in. play, Sarah. How yes. dare you? No, I said he played Macbeth. Yeah, That's no, you're different. still not allowed to say it. I think you're allowed to say the character's name Macbeth. I don't think so. Well, but we're not I'm, in a theater, so it's okay. I'm cursed now. <laughs> Well, we're not in the theater, so um, technically we're allowed to say it. Ah, great. Perfect. Um, <laughs> so, like, Sam sees this, and he kind of, then Mo comes into the room, and he's like, oh, you know, wow, this is a big deal. And he's like, yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, but then Sam is like, you really ought to, like, kind of be a little bit more mindful of the, what the director wants, because he's gunning for you. And <laughs> Mo is very, like... He's got a weird energy this whole show of he's like very yeah. placid and he's like kind of above it all. And then Mo's daughter Irene shows up and the tension between the two of them is immediately apparent. They're doing what lots of people do uh when you want to fight with someone in public which is like you're shouting but you're whispering. Well, you're like uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of that happening. Yeah. Um, They kind of leave the room, and that's when Al, the hologram, shows up. Although he doesn't, Mm -hmm. like, look hologrammy. He's just a guy. But Yeah. um, Except for a camera walks through him. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) Uh, They did have, I would say, I will say for this show, in terms of, like, that type of effect and even some of the stuff they showed in the credits where like I think they showed Scott Bakula like reaching his hand through the owl guy at one point. Oh yeah. Um so yeah. some of some of that was actually pretty well done, I thought. Yeah. Well I mean I think probably truthfully they didn't have to do special effects very often. So when they did, they could probably spend more money on it. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, so Al shows up and his role is 
on the one hand to provide Sam information about where he is, but of course he's also providing us, the viewers, information about what is going on. Uh, So this is where he's like, oh, you're in 1957. But Sam had already worked that out from some like context clues. And Al is like, so you're here in St. Louis in 1957. And the reason that you're here is that according to the information we have from Ziggy, the supercomputer... Uh, Let's get to that. <laughs> I don't know that there's anything to get to other than that there's a supercomputer, and for whatever reason, they refer to it as Ziggy. Um, and the and, fact that it looks like a child's play toy. like Yeah, well, I think that's meant to be some sort of like, uh, what do I want to say? Like remote device that is connected to, like I think there's like oh. Ziggy who's probably like in a room somewhere in the year 2000. And then oh, okay, Al has fair. that like handheld device that can connect. That was how I interpreted what was okay, happening. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay. So basically like what Sam, or sorry, what Al has is a cell phone. A smartphone, y- yeah, I Yeah, sort say. of, but it looks like a crazy weird like, Tetris thing put together. Right. No, it doesn't look like what we have as smartphones, but what it seems to do is what a smartphone does. It's smartphone ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and basically he's like, okay, so this Mo guy that you just met, according to what is currently written in history about him, he's gonna die tomorrow and because he's gonna be hit by a train. And you're like, Whoa, that's like a lot. Um, And we also are told that the reason or the way to prevent Moe's death is to help Moe's daughter, Irene, commit Moe to uh, an insane asylum, basically. Yikes. Yeah. So it's it's a real like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Either the guy's <laughs> going to get hit by a train and die, or he's going to be sent to an asylum for the rest of his life. So it's like not great. Not um, awesome choices. And Sam is not happy about those options. I'll say that. <laughs> um, then there's a commercial break. And normally I wouldn't kind of draw our attention to that, but like this show in particular really does. It's like, it wraps things up in kind of a way before each break. So it's like, and then that bit stops. And then we come back from the break and we're still in the dressing room. And this is when Sam has the opportunity to say to Al, like, I mean, I've just spoken to this guy for no more than 10 minutes, but he doesn't seem like he belongs in an asylum for the rest of his life. And I was like, well, what do you want, man? Otherwise he's going to get hit by a train. Like, what am I supposed to do? Um... And then it's revealed that the reason Mo and his daughter were fighting was about this commitment issue. Because as yeah. his daughter, Irene has been doing the like paperwork and legal stuff to try and get Mo committed. Um, Mo comes back into the dressing room, talks to Sam a bit more, and then is like, Would you like kind of like run interference with my daughter? I just like can't deal with this anymore. Uh, so Sam go ahead, go, goes ahead and does this. There was a real, like, as I watched this show, I was like, why does Sam feel so comfortable butting into these people's lives? 
Like, yeah, I mean, I guess he has no choice. Like, he's in these weird scenarios. But, I mean, I would truly be so, so, so screwed because I... This is very uncomfortable to, like, meddle. <laughs> and, you know... Well, the minute- and especially, like, he doesn't know these people. He doesn't have uh, I mean, any if- frame of reference. Yeah, and I mean, the daughter sort of says as much, but she listens to him, and she, like, lets him say a lot before she says that. I wouldn't even give him the time of day. I'd be like, you don't... I'd be like, you are an actor who acts with my dad for 20 minutes a week. I am goodbye. Yeah, (laughs) you don't... And that is right. So, like, he goes up to... Uh, Irene and starts trying to tell her like it was a very mansplainy thing I was like I don't think you could do this in a show anymore where the white guy just tells everybody how to behave Um, yeah I also have a question about her or not maybe it's not a question but a comment about Mm. her hat oh okay Um, (laughs) in this scene she has one of those hats where it's got like a, a screen around her face yeah the veil yeah the veil thing. And I remember, <laughs> I remember as kids, we had um, some fun uh, dress up hats that had these. Like, and I loved them. Yeah. I thought they were super fun. What yeah. is the damn deal with those? I was just thinking, like, I don't get what the deal is with those weird veil things on hats. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure, th- sure that there is a deal to get per <laughs> se. I like, I think it's just, as you already indicated, sometimes it's fun to like put on a jaunty, like ovular hat on your head that only like is meant to kind of sit on your head in a very particular way and then hang down from it over your forehead, a weird lacy yeah. bit of thing. Um, right. And like. For like, for example, like when we would play in these hats, like we were yeah. very like we were like society ladies, right? Yeah, and we <laughs> <laughs> and like we had whole characters. Like this lady's just going to see her dad. Why she got to wear that hat? I mean, it was just like people wore hats in the fifties. That's like I more guess. the thing, and you would have. Fancy but the veil hats. thing seemed very like her particular veil. It was, was like, like hanging in the middle of her face or something. There it was, was something very tight strange. Seeming. Yeah, it was very it, much. Yeah, very close to her face for sure. And especially with like the conversation they were having, it felt out of place. Like it, I don't know. It like that hat makes sense to me. Like at church or like sure. at an event. It felt weird her just like talking to this guy in that anyway, whatever. Well, <laughs> I talk. think it is yeah, that was an unexpected <laughs> turn. Um I think what it was is that she had dressed up nicely to talk to her dad about this thing cuz this was like a serious issue. And yeah. so she, so she mm-hmm. was wearing her best hat. I guess to go with the whole fancy outfit. Um I guess But, like, yeah, so Sam just, like, literally, like, walks into this family's life and starts talking to Irene about her father. And she reveals to him quite a lot about, like, how he was very absent as a parent um, and that for a reason that is never really cleared up in my mind he does he's so absent that he doesn't even attend his own wife's funeral when she passes away um and so like basically Irene yeah they don't explain that 
Irene also then says that there are the there have been these incidents um, where like her father has I think there's something involving a fire at one point, mm-hmm. and then there was another one that was maybe like a DUI situation. There was something where she was like, "There are these things that are he happening." Fell oh, he, he I don't think he it was a DUI. He was distracted because he was daydreaming and he got in a crash or something. Yeah. So basically, she's like. Um, I don't want to characterize her as being a bitch, but that is definitely <laughs> what they're trying to kind of get going here. Is well, that she's definitely like the villain in this particular yes. episode, and yeah. without and like villain is a strong word, but she's the uh, uh, the she's the source of the conflict the, for the whole story. That's right, like, right. The obstacle, um, but basically, the how to sum this up is that she is like. My dad, who I have a terrible relationship with, is now acting extremely erratic and strange, and I can't deal with it, and it's the 50s, so I can just lock him away in an asylum forever (laughs) and never have to deal with it. Please don't tell me what to do. (laughs) Like, that's her whole thing. Um, Yeah. So in... I mean, technically, you can kind of do that to people now, too, but... It's not nearly as easy as it used to be in the 50s. That's a definite. Um, So We need a lot more money to do it, too. Yeah. So um, basically, Irene is like, I've had enough of talking with you, stranger, about my family situation. (laughs) Um, So just give this letter to my father. It explains, like, everything. And I'm not sure if we ever read that letter or see it again, but it's basically, I guess, like giving the information about like the why he's being committed and like the details about when that tr- like hearing is going to happen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then we return back to set, and Sam is now dressed up as something called Mister Scrubbo, and has to do a commercial, which I found really hilarious. I'm pretty sure Mr. Scrubbo is just like a Brillo pad. That's what it looked like. Um, but his little face is like sticking out of a circle in a circle. Like the Brillo is just a black circle that his body is in. And then his yep. face is coming out of the Brillo pad. And then his arms, like it's such that like like his hands and legs come out the sides of this Brillo pad. And then there are like two ladies singing a song alongside him. Um, Right. And he's like, (laughs) he's doing very poorly. Yeah. He does a really bad job with the commercial. And the director is like visibly like, holy shit. These actors are just messing my shit up today. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I've got Captain Galaxy over here not reading the lines. I've got Future Boy over there, and he doesn't even seem to know the song that he... Presumably, he does this song, like, every week, at least. Oh, okay, that's embarrassing. I didn't quite get that, but that's... He should have just let the girls sing it. And and just, like, danced in the center. (laughs) Yeah, which also probably the director would have been mad about, too, but at least he wouldn't be like, mm-hmm, I'm scrub awesome. <laughs> that's literally what he was doing. <laughs> I mean, obviously Scott Bakula is a comic master and really like <laughs> did his best on that. Um, so I mean, he won one Golden Globe, so he it's true, he did. Um 
So once he's done with that, Al shows back up. And Al, oh yeah, Al is the one who's like, the contents of the letter are all about the like procedure of how he, how Mo is going to be committed tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're having a whole conversation. Meanwhile, the director turns to see his actor dressed as Mr. Scrubbo seeming to talk to the air. He's got to be concerned at this point. Like, yeah, that yeah. Like, both of his actors are, like, literally becoming unhinged, like, in front of his <laughs> eyes. I would, like, start to put out, like, a, like a soft audition notice for, like, <laughs> new actors. Indeed. I'd be, um, I'd be like, um, this isn't going my direction. Yeah, there's something deeply... Maybe just cancel this show entirely and start from scratch. Yeah. Um, but I did like that bit, and that's also one of the ones where we again see not Scott Bakula, but like the person whose body he's in, like wildly gesticulating in the air. Right. Um, which was a good one. Which also, which a little bit funny, like no one cares, but like when he, they, when they're, when we see the close up of him talking to Al, the conversation is not really one that you need like a whole bunch of gesticulation for. And then when they show the faraway shot, he's like <laughs> doing big arm movements that make it clear he's talking to someone. Yeah. Um, but whatever. TV. Yeah. Some of those, it. I mean, I'm not sure that it's meant to be a sight gag intentionally, but that's basically what it is. That's what it's for. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's there for is to be like, yeah. I mean, that's what it's there for. Yeah. So then we... Follow Sam to Mo's home that evening after taping. And basically, Sam is just trying to get more information so that he can hopefully help this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mo is like, he's in a lab coat, I want to say, and he looks quite distracted mm-hmm. and he's got like a tool belt around his waist. He and looks like, like the, the, um, um, with Doc Brown from yes, uh, yes, Back he to had the a future. real oh yeah because he had those goggles on yeah as well yeah or you're totally right goggles yeah you're totally right um and Sam is basically like you've got to like talk to your daughter you've got to take this like commitment hearing tomorrow like super seriously and Mo much like how the director can't get him to respond to anything. Sam also can't because Mo seems very much like, oh, no, 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 no. None of this day-to-day stuff matters. I've got this whole other thing I'm doing. And then Mo's like, would you like to see this other whole thing that's totally <laughs> encompassed my mind? And Sam's like, yeah, I guess I guess I should. And so they go down into Mo's basement. And what has Mo done? Well, he's got, like, a whole damn time machine. Yes, this man, this actor, has (laughs) built a time machine. (laughs) As you do. I I mean, I have a time machine in my basement. Uh, Whoa, first of all, why have you never (laughs) revealed this till now? Um, I, I don't. I'm kidding. But, I mean, we just were talking off air about your house. I don't think your basement's large enough for a time machine. 
it would be if we didn't have all the crap in it, but mm. we've got a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, but I think we could fit one in here if we, uh, a DeLorean would fit in here if we moved the stuff. Cool. Um, but yeah, this, I did, this part was like wild. So like Mo apparently, and we have to kind of fill in these blanks here because the story doesn't totally do this. Like, Mo has apparently, even though, so like Captain Galaxy and Future Boy travel through time in the show. Mm -hmm. Mo Mm -hmm. himself as an individual has gotten interested in time travel so much so that we have to assume he's like maybe been reading some scientific journals. Maybe he's been reading some books. He's like done some work on his own. So much so that he has developed a theory of time travel uh, that then he explains to Sam, which is like, if you imagine, and this goes back to what I was saying before about like how humans perceive time and like how time might actually be. So Mm -hmm. basically like Mo pulls out this string Uh, And is like, human beings experience time like this, which is like, there's a beginning and an end, right? The beginning Mm -hmm. of your life, the end of your life. And he's like, but I've come to the conclusion that in fact, time is more like a loop. So then he takes the string, he, and he puts the two ends together and makes like a, you know, not a circle, but he puts his hands in it. So it's like kind of a triangle-y thing. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so, in fact, if it's a loop, then technically you should be able to travel to, like, any point on this loop and make a connection, blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. that's already kind of like, maybe that is how it works. God knows. Um, (laughs) But it just so happens that that is precisely the theory by which Sam's quantum leap machine works. Um, so this is like a big reveal for Sam. He's like, this guy has like, just, he's not a physicist. He's not a scientist. He's just like somehow like logicked this out on his own. Um, and I think Al's maybe even there for this part. And so they, Sam and Al like look at each other like, whoa, we, we thought you were the only smart one, but turns out other people are smart too. Joe Schmo, Joe Schmo Moe is knows the same shit. Yeah, so then it's like, whoa, I wonder what th- where this is going to go. Um, turns out it goes to the roller rink. Yep. Because why not? So uh, we're at the roller rink. It's very 50s. Um, indeed. Mo and Sam are doing an appearance as Captain Galaxy and Future Boy. And they're doing an appearance for kids. So they're talking to a bunch of kids in the crowd. Um, and one of the kids, the kids who ask, the kid who asks, like, can you bring my dog that died back? Um, right. Immediately, I was like, I've seen that kid. What? Where have I seen that kid before? Um, he's only been in like a handful of things as a child actor, and he hasn't done anything as an adult actor. Um, but one of the things he was in was one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek Next Generation. And I was like, I knew I recognized <laughs> that kid. I knew it. Oh, man. <laughs> You're just like me and you're just like me in Criminal Minds. Whenever I recognize somebody and something, I'm like, son of a bitch, where the hell is that person from? And almost always I look up their credits and it's some random episode of Criminal Minds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and like that's even more, I think Criminal Minds is probably more contemporary. For me, it's like because 
Next Generation was only from like 88 to 94 or whatever. It's yeah. it's a it's a very it's like a time capsule on top of that <laughs> experience. So yeah, like, I know yeah. I've seen that child before, but now they're probably an adult. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like what's the deal? Yeah. Um. So anyway, they do their appearance. After the appearance, um, Sam is trying to reason with Mo. He's like, "You really got to knock off this time travel thing. This is why people are gonna put you into an asylum. Like you sound nuts." Yeah. um, Even though, I mean, I now I'm realizing there's a very real sense of irony here when Sam is trying to tell someone not to believe in the theory that he knows is real because he is quantum leaping. He's literally living it. Yeah. He could, Um, he could, he could blow this dude's mind and it wouldn't help this particular story of like not getting him killed and stuff, but he could be like, dude, you're right. I'm living it right now. I'm actually not, actually he would probably, then he would get committed, but like, um, (laughs) but yeah, he could blow this guy's mind if he told him the truth. Right. Um, so basically it becomes clear that Mo is not budging on this whole time travel thing. He's like super committed to it. So he's like, okay, well, we need to come up with like another strategy. How about, um, we get your daughter and the psychiatrists that she's hired. Why don't we get them to kind of interact with you? Because probably one, he's like, I think you're basically normal except for this time travel thing. Um, mm-hmm. and in fact, he's like, and I know that time travel thing is real. So like, I actually know you're totally legit. Fine. Um, but he's like, so let's just invite your daughter and your therapist to dinner at your house and then you'll speak with them and you'll show them that like, yes, you might be strange, but you're not like put me in an asylum and throw away the key. Strange. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Mo is like, yeah, I guess you're right. That sounds like a very like reasonable plan. So let's do that. So then we cut to later that evening. We're at Mo's house. Um, everybody is having dinner. Um, Mo has made the dinner and there's like this weird whole bit about like how he's roasted the chicken in this particular way that is I, yeah, I didn't understand that. I didn't really get the It didn't the look point very good it. to me either, by the it way. It didn't look fully cooked. But no, it didn't. It, the skin, <laughs> the skin didn't look nice and brown. As someone who has roasted a chicken, yeah, as someone who has roasted a chicken, that did not look fully cooked, whatever he had Mm-mm, done. Didn't look good. Um, did not look good. But lucky for him, Dr. Sandler loves the meal, thinks it's delicious. Uh, We cut to kind of like the meal ending and everyone's like um, chatting a bit and having a nice time. And it's like, oh, I guess maybe this plan of Sam's seems to be working. Um, So then Mo and Dr. Sandler go into the kitchen to kind of clean up and make coffee, leaving Irene and Sam to talk a bit more about what's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. And it seems like this is when we get more information about like basically Irene is just very estranged and upset um, with her father uh, over her childhood. And Mm -hmm. it seems as though Sam is about to have some kind of breakthrough with her. But then Mo. And Dr. Sandler come out of the kitchen and Mo has gone into full discussing the time machine he's got in his basement mode. And (laughs) like you can actually, like you can almost 
feel like you can see that what Sam wants to do is like the good old like forehead slap, like buddy, like what are you doing? I've just been working so hard and I was about to have success. And now you're talking about this one, the one thing I asked you not to talk about. Um, so the four of them go down to the basement and Mo's like, I'm going to make this time machine go. You'll all see it. And that will clear all of this up and it will be no problem. Um, so he kind of sits himself into the machine. Uh, there's a series of different explosions that happen when he tries to activate the machine. And Mm -hmm. basically like, I think I, I can't remember now. I think the Dr. Sandler character says, I've seen enough. I'll see you all tomorrow at this yeah. hearing. And you're like, oh no, that's not This good. isn't going to go well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the following day, Sam comes back to Mo's house and Mo is wearing, a, a, well, you started hat talk. So can you describe the hat that he's wearing as he's leaving the house on the way to his hearing to determine whether or not he's insane? <laughs> it's the wrong choice for that particular day. I'll say I'll just say that like like from the jump it's the wrong choice. It's not a bad hat, but it's the wrong choice for this day. Um eh, it kind of looks like, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, you wrote down on here a pyramid hat. What it looks like, though, that is correct. That is what it is. But what it looks like a little bit is like, <laughs> in terms of the design, it sort of looks like those hats that have an umbrella on your head. Yeah, where, like, I was just going to say like, the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where you've got like the 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 thing that wraps around your actual head and then the umbrella is like over top on of it. Top. That's sort yes. of what yes. it is design-wise. It's that with like a silver triangle pyramid on the top of it. Yes. I mean, it's a it sort four-sided like- it's a four-sided pyramid, so it's like a square but a, a point triangle it looks like on top a of a nice your head. version of like a tinfoil hat sort oh, of. Oh yeah. I think is Yeah. Absolutely. Um wait. Yeah, my handwritten notes say Mo comes out in tinfoil hat. So it's like yeah. full That's what like that's what crazy. it looks like. Yeah, it is full crazy. Um, but it's of like course, full conspiracy theory. Yes. Like, I'm yeah. off the deep end. But like Mo describes it as his positive energy hat, that it does, like, that it keeps good vibes, like, in your brain somehow. And you're like, also oh, not a good God. way to describe it when you're no. trying to, like, <laughs> you're like this not is awful. a good way to, like, dial down the crazy. No. And what, even adds to this new level of nutsness is Sam is like, um, dude, I came to like wish you luck before this hearing and you can't be like talking about this time thing. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, you know how when the Bernie Sanders meme came out from the inauguration and they're like, Bernie's dressed like he's got an inauguration today, but it's not his whole day. Like, correct. Um, this guy is like, Oh yeah, yeah. I do have to hit that hearing to determine whether or not I'm insane, but that's not my whole day. Like that's not my whole day. I've also got this time travel shit to do. So, yeah. like, and that's yeah. really my main priority. So I'm gonna hit this hearing in the morning, and then I'm gonna just like jump back home. And Sam is yeah. like, "No, man. If that hearing goes badly, you're not just." 
going to get to go home and like do your time machine thing, dude. Um, but Mo is like not engaging with that line of reasoning. And even more so, he's like, hey, but like, you know, um, you who is not a lawyer, why don't you represent me at this hearing? And Sam is like, what? What are you talking about? And he's, and I think the final line is like, you're an actor, so just act like a lawyer. <laughs> and I like, mean, fair enough, but like, yeah, uh, I'm just curious, like what, I, oh, I'm curious what these two people, the uh, Mo and Kenny, the actual Kenny, what they're relationship was prior to this indeed it does seem like they get weirdly close in this 24 hour period for sure yeah um so we then arrive at the judge's chambers uh the judge was another actor i immediately recognized and then deduced that i knew he was both uh, a tng recognition but he was Mm. also in the birdcage Whoa, who was he in the birdcage? He was the senator that dies at the very beginning. Oh, my God. Really? I think so, yeah. He's Senator oh, somebody. and Senator Keeley. Yeah, he's that. Interesting. Oh, yeah. that's funny. I did not recognize him. I straight away, I was like, and there's that guy. Like, what is oh, happening? That's so funny. Um, so anyway... We come in kind of in the midst of the hearing to hear Dr. Sandler giving his advice, saying like, you know, what we saw last night was a clear indication that this person is disconnected from reality and mm-hmm. um, presents a danger to himself and potentially others. So I mm-hmm. say he should be committed. Um, then it's Sam's turn to talk about kind of to defend, I guess, Mo. And then he, like, takes this tack of, like, Sputnik just launched. I don't think anyone would have expected that we would be going into space and even less so that it would be Russians getting there before the United States. Um, So, you know, there's nothing wrong with dreaming. There's nothing wrong with hope. And Mo is just a dreamer. He's done this time travel thing because he believes time travel is real. And then he does a whole miracle of on 34th Street. Does he really? Yeah, because he then says, like, isn't isn't being crazy, being kind of oh, like yes. outside social norms. Oh, and everyone's yes, yes. like, yeah, I guess so. And then he's like, well, here, bring in these letters of kids who love the Captain yes, Galaxy right. show. And they're all right. asking questions about time travel. So those kids believe in time travel. those kids are crazy. <laughs> are, is, every child, <laughs> is every child in the St. Louis metro area nuts? Like that's the <laughs> argument here. Yeah. Um, but it's full and miracle. And I will say, yeah, that it, you're right. I forgot that. That is full miracle on 34th Street. But I, they I even have a bag of letters that they dump out they in front of the do. judge. And <laughs> I will say for the character, Sam Beckett, Scott Bakula, Kenny, whoever you want to call that guy, um, that for having just decided to represent him five minutes prior that's a good job, and that's a good True. defense. <laughs> True. Um, but I guess, like, 
to put it in more modern terms, like if you believe that reptiles are secretly like taking over the bodies of important political leaders in the world and you can find evidence that other people believe that. I'm not sure that that's like a convincing argument that that isn't crazy to think. You know, like, (laughs) well, well now, well, mm, yeah, I see what you're saying because now the problem is that people do have that echo chamber of support in very, uh, anonymous type of places where people can in real life maybe even say oh no I don't believe that but in like a shrouded online way they can be like yeah yeah I believe that right um so just because a group of people agree or believe the same crazy thing you do I don't think that's actually a good way to say so this person's not crazy (laughs) um (laughs) but nonetheless that is the argument that Sam makes and Al is there watching the proceedings and he gives him like a thumbs up like good job I liked that is this when Al is wearing his crazy jacket I think so he always wears something weird I remember that from the show he always wears these very loud like outfits okay um but even though Al likes this whole miracle on 34th street bit the judge is not convinced by this in part because, mm-hmm. again, it's like maybe if the letters were from adults, maybe that would have worked. But these are from children. So, like, it's yeah, even kids, more, like, I, I am not convinced. We don't trust them. Um, so, unfortunately, the decision is made that Mo does present a danger to himself, that uh, his daughter's desire to put him into an asylum will be what's happened. What is Mo's reaction to this? Oh, it's super not crazy. What he does is, um, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's, it's only proves his sanity. What he does um, to prove that is he, I believe he takes off his pyramid hat and gives it to Scott Bakula. And then, as a sane person would do, he leaps out of the window, like through the glass, like full like break the glass, jump through, jump onto the ground and runs away. Completely normal, rational reaction. Totally normal. He also is not a bit bloody. Um, no. He's absolutely unfazed. As an old man, I don't know how old he's supposed to be in this, but like a pretty aged man. And he'd barely even... He well, his daughter, his daughter is supposed to be 30. Um, so he has to be at least... Like, I mean, and he's 53 in life when this show is happening. Oh, whoa, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, he looks a little older than that because he's very gray. But um, anyway, he like full Superman jumps out the window and runs And also, I will say it's quite obviously not him. Like, it's a totally different body double person jumping (laughs) through the window. Oh, I'm sure. I didn't really really clock that, but I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, So that's like a totally normal reaction. Totally. Um, it And it makes the judge feel a little silly that he decided that this guy was crazy because, like, anyone would yeah. jump out of a window. Like, I yeah. couldn't believe that. I was like, what? Like, that, that was so is funny what's to me. I was happening. like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and then they are all looking out the broken-ass window at him, and they're like, 
hmm. <laughs> weird. That's weird that happened. But I think this is also when um, Al says to Sam that time has changed. So now... He says he's not going to the train yard right. or something. He's not going to get hit by the train anymore. But I think it's like he's still going to die. But just yeah, in a, or he's, yeah. Yeah. So then they all... Something else. Yeah, they all run over to Mo's house um, because that is where he has run to. Um, and they're trying to reason with him. He's all like strapped back into his time machine. And he's like, you can't stop me. Uh, this was always what I planned to do. Uh, like, I don't know. He's kind of like rambling. Get over it. Yeah, he's rambling. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to activate the thing and then you're never going to see me. And I was like, okay. Um, so he turn like he activates his time machine, but it doesn't work. So he is very, very upset. And this is when he reveals why he has been so single-mindedly focused on making this time machine because he turns to Irene and he's like, I was not a good husband and father because that one good review of when I played Macbeth set me onto this course where I was having this really successful professional life. And so I was never around and I was getting, I did this time machine thing so that I could like go back and do it differently. Now, that's a very nice sentiment, but (laughs) are you really telling me you regret your life as a successful actor? I know that's some, that's some bullshit. I'm not going to lie. Like that's some grade A bullshit. Like I, I accept what he's, I, I get what he's doing and what he's saying. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who are successful in their careers and wish they could do life differently in the sense of their personal and family life. Sir, I mean, everybody has certain things where it's like, oh, I wish I had done a better job of blah thing yeah but Um, I mean it really is really hard for me to understand being like I fully regret my successful ass career (laughs) yeah well and especially I'm like it's fine if you look back on your life and you say I guess what it is it's it's so zero sum like that he couldn't be successful and be a nice dad yes right like he's like because he's implying basically that this one good review kind of like set his life on this whole other path And, like, what he wanted to do was basically, like, get this good review and then never act again and just sit at home and be, like, an actuary or something or, like, get some job in an office. And I'm like, Well, and it also, like, takes responsibility off of him a little bit in a way. It's like I had no choice. I was an actor, so I had to. You could also, you can do both. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy and I've not done it. But, like, you know, anybody who's, like, there are people who've done it. Talk to like, mm, I don't know. Well, uh, Kristen even Bell. Just, I don't know. Someone yeah. who has kids and is an, a successful actor. Like, Well, even just, and just put it on a more like, I guess, average thing. I think that, I mean, also neither of us have kids nor intend to. So like, this is a bit of a like, um, the blind leading the blind discussion to some degree, I suppose. <laughs> but like, I'm fairly certain that many people would say, like, I, of course, care about having a successful career. I would also really like to be as good of a parent and family member as I could be. But, of course, there are times 
in my career, where the career kind of took priority and I, or I let it take priority in a way that I wish I could have done differently. Um, but like, it's not mutually exclusive that you like, yeah, you can be a success in your career and still be a perfectly good parent who finds the time to go to your spouse's funeral. Like I that mean, part, I, that part, <laughs> that part is like egregious, really. I mean, that part, it, does, it doesn't even really make sense unless, unless the excuse is, and even this is weak in my opinion, but if the excuse is and has nothing to do with acting, by the way, like I am so forlorn and so upset that just the idea of, making this real and going to the funeral is too much for me. I can't handle it. Sure. That excuse, I mean, is lame in its own way, but I get it. Right. Um, being like, oh, I'm an actor, so I can't go to my wife's funeral or my spouse's funeral. Like, mm, that's, like, just not even real. Like, that, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I mean... Even if you're an extremely kind of self-obsessed, I'm wrapped up in my own thing type of person, like you, as at least as far as I understood, like they were still married when this woman died. It wasn't like, oh, my ex-wife's funeral. It's like my sure. wife's funeral. And almost anybody... The, the apparent, the, the mother of my child. Like, right. I mean, and yes. P.S. A funeral is... Two hours max of your day. Like, um, yeah, dude. And we watched you tape your show in like 10 minutes. Like, it's not <laughs> so a big deal. The idea that he was so wrapped up in his career that he couldn't make it to that event in particular, I'm like, what is this? Well, premise? it's semi unbelievable, like, I would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, this kind of reveal. And I saw this reveal coming. I was like, oh, that's what it's going to be, that he wants to do things over again with his daughter. Um, So when Irene learns this, she's very touched. She forgives him. And now everything's great because now Mo is not going to be committed, nor is he going to die in a train yard. He's just going about his life. Um, And that's great. Uh, Although I would say the singularity like the way he got obsessed with this time travel thing does suggest that there might be some mental health troubles in the mix mm. here <laughs> to my mind but you know yeah um finally we get we're returned back to the captain galaxy tv set and mo as captain galaxy is saying that this is going to be his last appearance he's going off to do other things so again we see this zero-sum game like you can't be an actor and have a good relationship with your adult daughter like you have to fully quit to do that yeah um but his final kind of thing as captain galaxy is he's reading letters from fans and he reads a letter from the young Sam Beckett who has watched the show and is asking about time travel. And Captain Galaxy explains the string theory thing, which is precisely what Sam believes, you know, like, so it's like, oh, Captain Galaxy is the one who gave him the idea for time travel, but he didn't remember it um, Mm -hmm. until now. Mm -hmm. And then as that's happening, like Sam and Al kind of disappear into the ether And then Sam wakes up in a strip club, a male strip club, um, dressed dressed as Zorro. Zorro. And 
And so, okay, so also I was like, oh, this is like what we've seen in a number of our shows where like we see a little snippet of what's going to happen the following week in mm-hmm. the next episode, which is, I did for a moment think like, should we do the Chippendales one? <laughs> I, I do not want to. <laughs> and I was I like, was like, oh no, I actually thought I was like, I mean, I figured it was going to, it was just sliding into like what was happening next week, but I was like, oh no. Is this a whole other thing about to start? What's happening? Um, but I was like, I there is a part of me because I also just listened to the podcast about the Chippendales, um, <laughs> which is a very good one. It's called Welcome to Your Fantasy if you want to know about it. Um, okay. But the point is, like, there was a part of me, even before seeing that clip when I was deciding which episode, I saw that description of the Chippendales one and I was like, Ooh, there is a part of me that wants to do that one. And then I was like, oh boy, though, that might be one of these problematic ones. <laughs> and so yeah, I think... I think it definitely could be. I think I better stay away from that. So I settled on Future Boy because I was like, oh, because it's like, it's sci-fi within sci-fi. And so then it's very much yeah. in our wheelhouse. So I, ultimately, I, I'm glad this episode, I think, I think it was well. the right choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let us now turn to yawns and eye rolls. In the case of yawns, one yawn is, this was not boring at all. Uh, and 10 yawns <laughs> being like, this was truly like the, the most boring thing I've ever seen. Uh, what would you give it? Um, I would say like three. I think, um, yeah, I don't think it was too boring. Um, it definitely wasn't like rocking my world with excitement or anything, but yeah, I guess three, I've definitely seen more boring. And when I watched it the second time, I was definitely more engaged and interested. So I'll judge it on that viewing. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go full one because, and it's always, I think I often give ones, to TV shows that I like. It's like a lot easier because they're just shorter. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. So they yeah, can, this was like movie length and the same amount of stuff happened. I'd probably be like, I'd have another thing to say. <laughs> yeah, like, and especially because this is only one story, it kind of plugs along decently yeah. well, in my opinion. Um, and in terms of eye rolls... One eye roll being, it's no stranger than any other sci-fi show out there. <laughs> um, and 10 eye rolls is like, oh no, I could not like get into this premise. What would you give it? Uh, I think I'm going to like do a straight down the middle five. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's very like middle of the road sci-fi yeah. in terms of sci-fi. Yeah. Um, was I like... Did I fully understand the whole quantum leap theory? And no, I did not. But <laughs> did it did it seem like pretty plausible in the sci-fi realm? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, five. Yeah, I think I agree with you. It's just a very like, um, there's nothing, at least in this episode, there was nothing that was happening that was like so like unique or original or unlike something we've seen before. So I feel it is a very middle of the road using pretty like well-established tropes and concepts. So I am also going to give it a five. Um, Now, again, the kind of final question is, 
did you like this? And would you recommend it? Uh, that's sort of like a, a like a meh and meh. Okay. <laughs> um, I yeah. I mean, I think I liked it. I definitely liked it more than I thought. And this is definitely, it's not quite what I thought it was. Like whatever mm-hmm. like preconceived notion I had about it, I was picturing like weird people like running through the fields and I feel like I watched it or like a grandma's house so I felt like it was like a grandma show I don't know like I had weird preconceived notions about it Mm -hmm. and it definitely surpassed those so I liked it fine would I recommend it based on some of the things we said in terms of certain things that could be problematic about it that we're not sure of I would be careful who I recommended it to and what episode I recommended them. Yeah. yeah, This particular episode, sure, I'd recommend it to someone if they were looking for like 45 minutes of like goofy, like weird, silly sci fi, sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I'd be careful who I recommended it to. Yeah, I agree. I th- I definitely liked this episode. I thought it was perfectly fine. It went down real smooth. Um, mm-hmm. But I agree with you about the recommendation, which is like, I think I would probably want to watch more episodes and specifically maybe some of the ones that just by their description sound problematic to me. Yeah. I would want to, I would like want to, watch that and then yeah Yeah. vet them and then determine whether or not I can like like unabashedly recommend the series or not yeah as a whole um yeah it is I will kind of wrap up by saying it is a beloved cult classic um Mm -hmm. so maybe like people accept it with its limitations in that respect yeah um but I, I, I guess I would say probably it needs a vetting or a tread carefully. Uh, yeah, and caveat. I mean to and and to take it uh, from the perspective of the time it was made, it right. was probably not made to be insensitive. Um, no, I think if anything, standards. It's, <laughs> yeah, I think if anything, it's trying to be very forward thinking. But of yeah. course, what forward thinking was in 1992 is different than what it is 29 years later. So <laughs> true. Uh, that is that's just true. the nature of how things are. Well, yeah. in that sense, I would say that this has been a success uh, in comparison to some of the other things I've made you watch. Yes. Um, So that is us for this week. I am Sarah and I am here with Amy and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.